Our scripture again is John 3.16, and it just says this. We know it. We don't have to read it. We don't have to open up our Bibles. And it just says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm going to read verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You may be seated. So today I have the awesome, awesome, awesome privilege and what I deem as the difficult task of ministering the word of God to both adults and children all at the same time. Thank you, Dr. Cookie. <laughs> So as I prepared this lesson, which was some months ago, actually, um, I believe this is what God was saying during that time. Some things happened, and I did not get to minister that particular Sunday, but was asked to minister today for children. So when Dr. Cookie asked, I was not sure if I should use the same sermon I'd prepared back then or something different. So I did what I know to do. I panicked. <laughs> and prayed but what's even funnier is that I did not quite remember what I had prepared but I knew it was something though I hadn't gone to open it yet fast forward a few days and a few prayers later I kept hearing John three sixteen, the good news following that pastor preached a few weeks after that and talked about the good news but it wasn't his sermon and finally, I decided to go find the original sermon. Like, let's just take the easy way out and use that one. And wouldn't you know it, it was John 3.16, the good news. So Mount Calvary, I would like to take, talk to you, all parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and children, about something I believe we all must know about. And that is, y'all know what it is, good news. <laughs> Who said Jesus? I mean, yeah, you're right too. So for many of us, John 3.16 is one scripture you learn straight out of the womb, right? It's a scripture that many of us learned in Sunday school. Some of us learned it during vacation Bible school or simply hearing it every Sunday during altar call. Even if you didn't know it was John 3.16, you've heard it. It is a staple passage of scripture within our Christian faith. Without it, I'm not sure we could understand or fathom the magnitude in which God loves us and to which extent he went to demonstrate and show his love for us. But fortunately, we are able to see it right here within this passage of scripture of John 3, 16 and 17. Many of us, many of us have people in our lives that we love, right? We have people like our friends and our families, not only do we say we love them, but many of us do think many of us do things to actually demonstrate and show our love to those we say we love. For our spouses, family, and friends, we do random acts of kindness, like buying their favorite cupcake without being asked or prompted. We do things to try and cheer them up, such as making their favorite dinner when we know they've had a bad day or even if it's something you all may have eaten just days before. For some of us, we see random things at the store that make us think of those special people and we just have to grab it for them, right? Or is that just me? 
because y'all are quiet this morning. Right? I've seen and heard people give up their own likes for the sake of the likes of those they love. Me personally, I've had friends that go to coffee shops with me because they know I love coffee even though they can't stand the smell of it. I've heard of folks cooking food in a manner that's pleasing to the people they love even though the recipe doesn't call for what or how it is is they are preparing it. I've heard and seen instances where folks watch boring documentaries and, and, um, and try to appease those folks that they are uh, married to to satisfy that person. It's easy to say or show love to someone that you love, but I tell you it is difficult to say and or demonstrate your love to someone that does not say or show love in return. Your actions should not question the validity of your love, but it should validate your love. I'll say that again. Your actions should not question the validity of your love, but it should validate your love. Literally, our love of and toward Jesus is challenged through our capacity to keep his commandments. And we see this in John 14 and 15 when he says, if you love me, what does it say, y'all? Keep my commandments. Jesus says he knows that we love him when we keep his, do what he says. Right? Keep his commandments. Don't just say it. Jesus is saying show it. So when you love someone, I mean truly, truly love someone, you don't just say it, but your actions also show love. And that's what we witness from God through the passage of John 3, 16 and 17. I know I'm getting a little head ahead of myself, so let me give you some context for this passage. First thing is, Jesus himself is what we see in John 3, 3 period, is Jesus' words to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, which was someone who sought praise and distinction by outward observance of external rights. In other words, Pharisees were people who prided themselves on doing good but not being good. They prided themselves on good works. And these Pharisees were people who ruled over the Jews during that time. And in John 3, Nicodemus comes on the scene sometime after Jesus has been doing miracles across the land. Jesus at this point has turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee and now has made his way to the sacred temple where he sees the people of Jerusalem selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices and exchanging money again in this holy blessed sanctified dedica dedicated to God temple and rightfully so Jesus is upset at what he sees Jesus was so upset that he overturned the tables in the temple and because of this Nicodemus decides to essentially challenge Jesus on who he is and his purpose Nicodemus does not believe that Jesus isn't who folks have said he is, which was the son of God. But instead, he believes that Jesus is just a rabbi or a teacher sent by God, and God is just with him. Because of, as Nicodemus puts it, no man can do the things that Jesus was doing during that time, except God is with him. And what I saw was that Jesus replied and said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, which in Jewish sense is when one brings others to convert someone to his way of life. 
Jesus says he cannot see the kingdom of God. And of course, Nicodemus challenges Jesus yet again and says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And of course, Jesus responds that unless a man be born of water, baptism, and of the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God and that kingdom of God being the authority and dominion and king, kingship. So the first birth that he is talking about is uh, being born of your mother, a natural birth. And then the second birth that we saw here is being converted from one way of doing things to the what, doing things God's way. Meaning, young people, there are some rights and privileges and benefits that I would receive as LeBron James's kid than I would receive as Michael Miller's kid, Michael Miller being my dad. Now, if I was LeBron James's kid, I could go into any store, right, and probably get special treatment. But just as Michael Miller's kid, I got to go to the back of the line. And adults, listen, there is an authority, some rights, some privileges and benefits that we have because of our adoption into the body of Christ. And without it, we are powerless. Can you say powerless? So after Jesus responds to Nicodemus that unless we are born of water and the Holy Spirit, we are unable to enter into the kingdom of God. And then what I see a few verses down is Jesus tells Nicodemus in the words of Ashley, I hear what you're saying and I see what you're trying to do, but Demas or Nico, whichever you prefer, at the end of the day, you must be born again. You must be born again. And then if you read through John 3, 8, all the way down to John 3, 15, which ends that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm almost done. I promise. We get to our verse for today, John 3, 16 and 17, which says, For God so loved the world, or in other translations it may read, God loved the world so much, and I'm going to stop here. As I read this passage, what stuck out to me was the word so, which is an adverb for you English majors. It is an adverb, and what an adverb does it is it modifies or qualifies an adjective, a verb, or other adverb or word group. Adverbs are used to improve or to make it less extreme, but in this case, it emphasizes the love. So instead of God just loving the world, what we see is he loved the world so much that he did something extreme to emphasize his love. I'm not even going to expound on the fact that the word loved is past tense, which means he loved us from the beginning, knowing what we would do, knowing where we've been, knowing what we would have said. He loved us from the beginning before we were even thought of at the beginning of time. And so what did he do, y'all? Which brings me to my first point, the presentation. The good news is God so loved the world, that means everyone, that he gave. He gave. And that word to give means to give what is due or obligatory, to pay wages or reward. He gave his only begotten son, 
Jesus was the wage, the cost for what was due or required for everything bad that I would do, that we would ever do, that you would ever do. Jesus was the wage for that. He was the cost for that. Jesus was not just his only son, but Jesus was God's only begotten son, which means the only one of its kind. There was, is, and will only be one Jesus the Christ. And God loved us so much that he gave Jesus, his only son, that would and could do what Jesus did to demonstrate his love for us. The reason God gave Jesus is so that whosoever, each and every one of us, tall, short, light, dark, round, thin, no matter who we are, regardless of who we are, where we've been, how long we've been there, what we look like, how long or short our hair is, our political backgrounds, what you've done, why you did it, when you did it, how long you did it, for believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So not only do we see the presentation of God's love for us when he gave Jesus on behalf of us, but I also saw the good news through the preservation. And this word preservation just means to prevent something from decaying or to protect it from being damaged or destroyed. So if I believed, or if I believe, I will not die, but I will live forever. That's the preservation. The only job you have to do today is believe in him. You are not asked or commanded to get yourself right. You are not even required to clean yourself up. All God has asked and requires of you in this moment is your belief in his son. What are you believing is what you may be asking. And I'm glad you asked. That Jesus is who he is, the son of God. That he died for your sins and mine. That three days after he died, he raised, God raised him from the dead. Then and only then will you be saved from death. You have to do all those things. So we see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the presentation, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, the preservation. The good news is not just God's presentation and his preservation, like I said, I'm almost done, but it's also in his salvation. We see that in John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but instead that the world through him might be saved. Pastor, this version messed me up a little. Yes, God gave in verse 16 of chapter 3 which set a little better than God's sending in verse 17. Jesus was sent. These two words stood out the most to me because they mean two totally different things. Yes, I give something grudgingly when I give sometimes, but that's different than sending something that doesn't want to go. When I looked up the word sent in the original text, it is apostello, which is Greek for to order one to go to a place appointed, to send away or to dismiss. This reminds me that Jesus did not want to die, 
but he knew he had an assignment or an appointment, which makes a little more sense why Jesus prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, while he was on the Mount of Olives. So God gave him, but he also sent him. Jesus had an assignment for us. Jesus being sent was not as an act of punishment, but as an act of love to save us. Jesus being sent <laughs> was not as an act of punishment, but as an act of love to save us. Is there anybody grateful for the good news of Jesus this morning? That God so loved the world, again, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son. That was the presentation, right? We heard that. That whosoever, that some of all types, liars, thieves, cheaters, backbiters, bitter folk, drunk folk, fornicators, and adulterers, if I did not call out your thing, <laughs> just know that the list does go on and on and on, and it covers everything and anything that you would ever do wrong. But whosoever believes in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life, the preservation. And I'm glad that it doesn't stop there, let me just say, but that Jesus went on to assure us in verse 17 that he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but instead through him we might be saved, that we might be kept safe, that we might be rescued, and that was the salvation. I feel like tuning a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus died for our sins. So we saw, we saw through this um, sermon today, the presentation, the preservation, and the salvation. I'm trying to hold on fast. <laughs> it's right there. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God looked ahead and he saw everything that Ashley would do and that Kim would do right and that V would do right he's looked ahead and he saw everything that we would ever do that Devin would ever do that Mrs. Burks would ever do he looked ahead and he saw it and even though the wages of sin is death he said I love them so much that I'm going to send them a gift in Jesus, which is eternal life. All they'll have to do is confess with their mouth. My unique one of a kind son, Jesus, and believe in their heart that I raised him from the dead and they will be saved. This will save them is what he said. If I do this. 
This is why I get excited every time I hear Deacon Burke's quote his favorite psalm, I think, 122. I was glad when they said unto me, Deacon Burke's. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. They being my mama. They being my grandmama, Eva Grace Gamblin. They being my aunts, Dorothy, Diane, and Ethel. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't believe I would know that God loved us so much that he gave the presentation so that I would not perish the preservation and he sent Jesus not to condemn us but to save us the salvation had I not come into the house of the Lord but before I go and take my seat I'm glad that living he loved me y'all know it (laughs) dying He saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away, rising, he justified, freed me forever, and one day he's coming back. That's going to be a glorious day. That's why I'm glad. I'm so glad for the presentation of God. And I'm glad for the preservation of God that led to my salvation. And we see this in John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but they shall have everlasting life yeah he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him pastor d we might be saved i'm so glad that he saved me i'm so glad he raised me and i'm so glad that he filled me with his precious Holy Ghost. And Deacon Burks, I'll say it again. I'm glad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anybody excited that Jesus died for your sins? Is there anybody that's glad about it? Tell God yes, yeah, yes, oh yes, I'm glad, Jesus, that you died for my sins.
Hallelujah. Repeat after me. God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. It's personal. It's we serve a personal God. And we always, she's right, we always quote the scripture that God so loved the world. That's us, y'all. He loved us enough that he sent his son to die on the cross. And today, the most important decision that you can make ever is to be reunited with the one who loved you so much that he gave his son. You know, one would hardly die for a good man. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you don't know this Jesus today, you can. Will you come? If God has been knocking at the door of your heart, today's your day. Will you come? You want somebody to walk with you? One of these deacons will come and grab you by the hand. Just raise your hand. They'll come. They'll get you. They'll bring you down. You don't have to do this life alone. Ever. Will you come? So maybe you're saved. Maybe you already know where you're going to spend eternity. But you know that God is calling you to this part of his body. If you feel that Mount Calvary is where God is calling you to, that's the second call. Will you come? Everybody is saved. Everybody know where they're going to spend eternity. Everybody is serving where they feel the Lord has called them to serve. Then we'll offer one more call. Maybe you know the Lord, but you know the scripture gives us an example of a lost son. And he took all and plundered his inheritance. But you know what? When he came to his senses... When he remembered how he was raised, when he remembered that he was brought up in the church, when he remembered that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, he came back. And if that's you today, you're welcome back. All right. Amen. All right. So now it's time for 
Our tithes and offering, Mount Calvary is on its way to becoming a 100% tithing church. Woo, woo! That is something to celebrate. Hallelujah. We have several ways that you can give here. You can text to give 855-908-0710. Cash App. For those of you who use Cash App, um, let me just give a quick little warning here. Please do not type in Mount Calvary. There's another Mount Calvary church on Cash App, and you could be given to the wrong institution. Please type in dollar sign M-T-C-A-M-B-C. That is us. That's your local Mount Calvary. The third way we can, well, the third way we can do GiveLify, tap, give, it's done. Also, if we got some old schoolers in here and you want to write a check or you want to give some cash, put it in an envelope, put your name on it, and then the deacons will take it at the uh, back of the uh, sanctuary here. Why do we give? One, because God tells us to. 10% goes into the storehouse to meet the needs of the house. We also give to benevolence. Why? So that we can help those who fall on hard times. That's not the world's responsibility, that's ours. And then the Bobby J. Winston Recreation Center right next door, we're gonna build that up again so we can serve our community. So give those uh, projects that we have going on here. All right. And if we can stand for the benediction. Minister Stephanie. It's my understanding uh, that you have a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Minister. <laughs> now unto him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to prevent and to present us faultless to the one and only true and wise God be glory, dominion, and honor. Amen. <laughs>